This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 113. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick from sharpenedartist.com, and I'm joined as usual by my co host, Lisa Clow of La Cree Fine Art. Lisa, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? I am never better. What are we talking about today? We're talking about how to make colored pencil. A little bit faster. Yeah, that's one of the slowest mediums, right? That's the big criticism that a lot of people have. So there are some things that you can do to speed up the process. And I dare say that once you do some of these things, it can be just as fast as some of the other mediums that you think of as being more quick and more fluid. Not acrylics. Not going to lie. None of it goes oh, as yeah, fast as but, acrylics. Yeah. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> I've I've seen a few acrylics that I'm like, wow, that is breathtaking. But most of the time, I'm like, I don't think I want to <laughs> learn how to do acrylic. I don't know. It's just not not something that I'm clamoring to get over to doing. <laughs> I actually just started a piece. Mm-hmm. It's 24 by 36 inch, and I should have it done in less than a week. Can you imagine mm-hmm. how long wow. it would take to do a colored pencil that size? And what about oils? How long would that take? Um, oil, probably about the same. I, I yeah. just have more oh, of a dry okay. time. So I spend more time in the first few days. And then once that dries, the glazing color goes super fast. All right. So we do talk about colored pencil, though, on this podcast. And, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to think about some of the drawing mediums. I mean, charcoal. OK, that one's really fluid, yeah, really fast. fast. Yeah, there's just that problem with it just feels temporary to me. And then chalk pastel as well. I just don't like how it feels on my hands. Yeah. I get over it. Yeah. Derwin actually just sent me a tin of their tinted charcoal. Charcoals and I'm like torn because I really want to try it. I love the look. Mm-hmm. I hate the feel on my hands. And then, like you said, it doesn't feel as permanent. I feel like no matter where I store this, if it gets smudged, it gets smudged. I did see, though, a YouTube video where somebody was using the final fixative, ACP final fixative, with charcoal and that that kind of helped keep that in place. More so than normal fixatives? Yeah, yeah, than other fixatives because it, it darkens other, the, the other mediums darken yeah. charcoal. So. I don't know. That that sounded interesting to me. I, w- I, I love the way charcoal looks, and it's me naturally water-soluble, so it's something that I think would be really fun if I could ever get past that that <laughs> feeling. I hate, it makes such a mess on the floor. Like, I feel like under my easel ends up being mess everywhere. dark. Mess in your lungs, it, yeah, mess on your hands. Mess, <laughs> and I'm... I'm just too neurotic about things being clean for that. All right. So number one, or I'm not going to go in any kind of ordered list here, but using a smoother surface paper would be something that could actually speed up your colored pencil process. Now, you're not going to get as many layers if you do that, obviously, if you're using a smoother surface, but it will speed up that process where you can get something rendered quite quickly and cover up the white of the paper. Some of those, Lisa, if we can discuss that for a moment would be, you know, get some of the either hot press watercolor type papers or you get the plated paper. Yeah. I just ordered the plated paper after talking to you before the, or 
well before the podcast. Um, right. I'm so excited to try that. It's coming tomorrow, so I'll be. I'll, well, maybe we should both do a review on that. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. But yeah, and then you know some of the marker paper, the thicker marker paper. I would probably suggest that has a very very smooth surface. And, you know, some of those, the, the limitation, again, is that you're not going to be able to, you know, keep working an area and correct something as well uh, with something that has a lot more tooth on it. But it does speed things up. I have a hard time getting the color saturation. I have a really hard yeah. time with on like Bristol vellum. I cannot get my colors to be as deep as I want. That's like my mm, main mm-hmm. complaint about the really smooth papers is that I never feel like my color saturation is quite quite as deep as what I'm going for. But you're right, it does lay down a lot faster. So if you want something quicker, that is... Yeah, I just wonder, you know, with a smooth surface, if you can use the ACP textured fixative. I've never tried it on on anything that I wasn't using powder blender on, which in my case would either be sanded paper or gessoed paper. But Uh I think that's definitely something worth testing and seeing how it goes. I'm not, I really don't know. Because it adds tooth. Right, but it only adds so much. Only so much. Like yeah. If you yeah. if you spray so too much, I mean, uh, according to even what Aliona has has stated, that you know you're going to incur some flaking. I think if you do that, which would not be good. Yeah, especially if it doesn't dry all the way. If you get it to where it's, oh, it yeah. feels dry to the touch, but it's not quite. When you go over it with colored pencil, it flakes off. the The bonus right. there, though, is I found. Well, now again, I'm only going back to when I've actually used powder blender. It was no big deal because you blend right over it with your next layer, and it, you can never tell on my finished piece where that's happened. Powder blender. That's when I'm working on sanded paper with powder blender. I have right. had it flake where I had the spray a little too heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh, got but it. Okay. It didn't really matter because my next layer completely covered it, so it never affected my final piece. Okay, gotcha. So, because there were a few times where I've been a little impatient, wanted to go on my next layer, didn't let it dry as long as I probably should have. You, a little impatient. I know, right? And this is where my love of acrylics comes from. I'll do a colored pencil piece, and then I have to get something that I can do super fast. (laughs) Speaking of sanded paper... Another thing with that, you can actually do colored pencil pieces on sanded paper without powder blender. It's actually a cool service to work on. John's done several. Scrubber brushes on those are amazing. I actually, I'd never heard that before. I had no idea this would work. John mentioned it before the podcast. I'm like, hold on. We've got to wait on recording. I need to go test this. (laughs) And I ran over really quick and tested it out. And well, he wasn't kidding. You can really soften edges. I could see where that would be very, very useful if you were doing a portrait and you wanted to kind of soften that outer cheek or something that kind of faded in the distance. Those scrubber brushes would be great for getting nice, soft blending. And it's going to go pretty quick. Yeah, I've heard that from a couple of people. And actually, it's kind of cool because with portraits, you know, if you want that really that really shallow depth of field and then, you know, fade out, uh, maybe the focus point is on that plane of the focuses, like on the eyes. Then at the ears, you know, you could kind of use a scrubber brush over there and it would fade that out a little bit, make it look out of focus just a little bit. It's kind of cool, kind of neat effect. And it's, you know, it's fast. It's very fast again. Using sanded paper and getting back to that. Using sanded paper is just so, so quick. I, you know, I, I'm converted. I used to be a non-believer. And I, I wouldn't use sanded paper because I thought it just wasted all my pencils. And it's totally not the case. You're actually turning your pencil and using it more of the pigment of the pencil when you're using sanded paper. And I'm, I'm just totally in love with sanded paper now. I love it for powder blender. I don't know that mm-hmm. I would personally, because I'm so in love with powder blender, if I use sanded paper, I don't think I would... Per- 
I don't think I'd be able to resist going and grabbing my powder blender to finish a project with it. But I've seen what you did with without powder blender working on on sanded paper, and it was beautiful. That there was a mm-hmm. portrait you did not too long oh, ago. Oh right, and I, I've done it both ways now, and I do like the powder blender, but it's I like it without it too. I mean, it, it's yeah, it's there's really just totally cool. different ways to work. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's cool about this medium. One of the things for me with colored pencil, I was actually hired, or I used to do trades quite a bit for artwork. I would do colored pencil portraits of my friend's dogs in trade for other dog items. I had friends that made really fancy martingale collars for my, I have Italian greyhounds, which sighthounds wear a different type of collar than most dogs, just because of the shape of their head, their neck and all of that. So these fancy collars, I at the time had no money to be buying these super, I mean, these collars, some of them would run $40 a piece. So I would do trades with people for collars or sweaters. My dog has have more clothes than I do at this point, but for with a, a two different people, um, mostly just a lot. I have a lot. It's a sickness. But anyway, they one person wanted me to do all four of her dogs in one piece. It was an 18 by 24 inch, I believe. Or it, actually, I think it was a little bit bigger than that. It was large for a colored pencil piece. And this is back when I was using just Prismacolor Premier. And I'm thinking, oh, I do not want to do that background. My arthritis is going to kill me. How am I going to blend a background and not spend the next year just on the background alone? And I had just picked up a book that was on clearance, and it was called Creative Colored Pencil Workshop. I don't remember who it's by. But that book it was on clearance and it has very, very little as far as information I would consider useful for most colored pencil artists. But yeah. that one tip, what it just made that book priceless to me. I'd never even thought about it. And I had paint thinner already or odorless mineral spirits because I, I oil paint. So I had my Mona Lisa odorless paint thinner. Tried that. Oh, my gosh. Something that would have normally taken me a month, I had done in probably a couple of days. I mean, it was still a long process. It's still a slow medium. But it cut my amount of time because normally I would have layered and burnished with a colorless blender to get the same look that I wanted here. And it was the – oh, it – just made everything better. It made my wrist, because I have arthritis in that hand, I didn't have to burnish anymore. I mean, I really could work in a lighter hand, with a much lighter hand, and then use that to get a very similar look. So that was just one of the biggest turning points for me in colored pencil, is finding out how you can use solvents to blend. And it just, oh, it saves so much time. Yeah, that's really cool. I remember the first time I started using solvent as well. And actually, I started, I started when I started using it, I used too much. And it just caused this streaming looking you know bleeding looking stuff on my on my paper and i thought i'm never using that again (laughs) this is terrible everyone's (laughs) wrong about this and you know i was using it wrong obviously but then when i i started you know taking a little more time and being more deliberate with it and more controlled i could not believe how nice that was and how much that just sped things up and it kind of blended things out all those uh, pencil strokes that you know started collecting together yeah it was really nice but there you know there's a there's a slight learning curve with it yes but you know it, it doesn't take that long even in my beginner's course, beginner's colored pencil course, I talk about using solvent. I don't want people to be afraid of it. And there's so many people that are afraid. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the toxic quality of the solvent, but I'm talking about just be afraid of using it and being skilled at using it. And it doesn't take that long. There's not much of a learning curve. I mean, you can learn it. And you can learn, you know, how, you know, your finesse with it and how to apply it in a very controlled manner. 
And it doesn't take that long. After a while, you start being able to use it as a tool. And especially with hair in portraits, it's something that I, I nearly always use solvent for the hair because it just fills in so many gaps. Oh, I use it for everything. There's nothing I don't use yeah. solvent for. And the biggest tip I have for you, if you've not used solvent before or if you're, you've been using it and you're thinking – it still has that grainy, gritty look. I'm not getting the same effect that I'm seeing other people get. The main problem that I see people have with it is that they don't put enough layers of pencil on Burst, the paper. Yeah. They don't have enough pigment on the paper before they blend with the odorless mineral spirits yeah. or solvents. Right. They won't. They can't do much if there's no pigment there. You're not going to see it, yeah. some great blending. Make sure you've got, you know, add, usually with me, I'd say three to five layers before my first time blending with odorless mineral spirits. Let it dry. Add another three to five layers in the same area. Let it go back over that with the odorless mineral spirits let it dry and i just continue that process until i get it where i want but i'm never you don't want to yeah. push hard to start with or you damage the tooth of the paper and then you can't get more layers and then you're back to i'm stuck with this grainy gritty look right so that my big tip for you more layers get a lot of layers on that paper before you blend the first time and keep a light hand don't start burnishing until the very end if burnishing is something you're planning on doing yeah and in, that's that's great advice get enough layers on there and then use it and and use it in a controlled manner and in the vein of saving time you know once you put the solvent on the paper and spread you know spread your pigment around and it's breaking down the binders and everything else in the pigment a little bit then yeah go to another area while that is drying and that's yes. part of the magic there you know you can let that dry and saving time you're going to another area that you haven't used any solvent on or maybe you used it earlier and you let it dry but yeah you can save a lot of time by doing that you don't have to just walk away and wait yeah and that's one of the reasons that you'll see me jump around so much on my videos as I'm working. Usually I'm letting one area dry, mm -hmm. so that's why I'm working on another one. Yeah, and that drying time is not very long either. It doesn't take very long. No, and it depends on the type of paper you're using and how it does much and how solvent absorbent. you're using. If I use how a scrubber brush to apply the solvent, it, absor it holds so much paint thinner that it ends up oversaturating the paper. So it makes it kind of quick to blend, but it also is going to take a lot longer for that paper to dry for me. Normally what I use is a Taclon bristled filbert, and I've got a couple of flat filberts that are very, very small. Another tip I have for you, if you are using the odorless mineral spirits, my first few layers, I'll usually use a fair amount. I probably use more than I what I need, but it doesn't really affect anything negatively. This When I get a few layers in, especially if it's something like I'm trying to blend really smooth skin tones, I want to use to where there's almost no paint thinner left on that brush. Almost dried out, just barely, barely damp because I'll end up picking up too much yeah. of the previous layers and you can, can create streaks that way. So you want to control how much paint thinner you're using based on what stage of the painting or drawing you're at. Beginning stages, I can use more. As I move further on, I'm going to use less and less paint thinner on that brush. So sometimes I'll dip just a little bit onto the brush, dry it off on a Viva paper towel or an old t-shirt. A regular paper towel won't really absorb, right? You need something that's very cloth-like. I'll let it absorb into that and then let the, set, the brush set for a couple minutes before I even touch the painting just for those last layers because I know a lot of people have problems creating streaks and that's usually why it's having the wrong amount of paint thinner on the brush for whatever given stage you're at. Yeah, now the paper is going to depend on, you know, what type of paper it is, if it's cotton or if it's wood fibers, if it has a lot of sizing in it or the, the strength of the paper, the the pound of the paper, rather. That'll make a difference as well. And if it's absorbent surface that you're working on, that's going to make a difference. So all those things make a big difference and you just have to test. And as an artist, you know, that's your job. You got to test and you got to figure out what works for your techniques that you're 
using. So planning, planning ahead, planning out your composition, you know, in the interest of saving time with colored pencil or with any medium, plan ahead. Plan out your composition, figure out, you know, where you want every element to be. Don't just make it up as you go. And, you know, that upfront time, even to the point of doing studies, you know, when I'm doing like a warm up on newsprint, I'm doing that right now on a, a wedding commission, wedding portrait commission that I'm working on. And I've done several studies on some newsprint because it's a warm up trying to figure out, you know, the composition, but more importantly, the position of the head. The heads are not in a standard pose. And so, it's kind of tricky, and I'm trying to figure that out before I get on my project and start working on something that I'm not going to be able to erase very easily. So planning ahead, that's my big tip there. That'll make things go so much faster. It really does. And one of the things that I recommend, learn Photoshop or a photo editing program. Mm -hmm. Oh my right. gosh, it saves me so much time. In the beginning, I felt awkward. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Luckily, there are a ton of, of tutorials on any program you could want to use on on YouTube. <laughs> so check that out. But I like right now, I'm working on a fox and I... Needed, I knew I needed to change the background, but I wasn't sure where exactly the positioning of the head would look best. And so because I was able to take Photoshop, I'm able to change the background out. I'm able to throw the rule of thirds over it and see if what I thought looked good really looks as good as what I thought it did. Um, and all of those things you can find out before you ever hit the paper and it will save you so much time and so much headache realizing I mean there have been so many times where I drew something out on the paper without planning and it's like oh this portrait I just drew the head way too close to the top this is an awkward position and I'm I just wasted so much time. So planning that out, learn a photo editing program, whichever one works for you. Oh, it will save a ton of a ton of headaches for you. That's awesome advice. Now, I want to mention, I want to throw these out here, and I know we've mentioned this before on other se sessions of the podcast, but paint.net is a really good one, and you can go to getpaint.net, I believe, on, on uh, online to be able to get that. It's totally free, very, very simple to use if you don't have Photoshop. But I want to tell you that you can get you can get the free version of the mobile app for Photoshop Fix and Photoshop Express. Those are killer apps. They're so good. It supports layering. It's it's really, really nice. And you can fix almost anything. Also, in combination with that, I've been using those two applications on my mobile phone and Snapseed. Snapseed uh, is another mobile app. My last, the last, I've got three commissions here. The <laughs> gotta get them done. But the last two here, all of my photo editing, I just did on the couch, and I did it on my on my phone, even printed from my phone, and it looks it's it's killer. I mean, it looks so good. And I've got different multiple versions, you know, of these uh, photos that I'm using, and I used those mobile apps, and I, I was just I, I was blown away at how much time I save just by doing that. So give that a try if you've got a smartphone. And here's the thing. You don't have to be good at it. No, you don't right. have to be a Photoshop expert. You don't no, have right. to be really amazing because this is just your general layout to get an yeah. idea of your color yeah, composition, exactly. of your design, of those elements. If you can still see that something was cut out and has a border around it that t like yeah. by Photoshop standards looks terrible, it doesn't matter. That's not You're not going to include that part in your drawing. Yeah. You don't have to be an expert before this starts being useful for you. Have you used Snapseed yet, just by the way? No. Oh, no. my word. You're going to have to use that. That is so nice, though. If you're if 
you're out and about or something just away and you want to grab something real quick on your phone that that is that is so so nice i have to look into that yeah snapseed is really a good one okay so the icarus board is another way to speed up your process and we have interviewed esther roy in the past inventor of icarus board check that episode out i think you can just go to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast slash esther i believe and that interview will come right up she'll talk about the uh, genesis of the icarus board but I tell you what, it does speed up things quite a bit. I have one. Uh, I'm not real good with it yet. I am taking a workshop, though, with Cecile Baird in October. We've also interviewed uh, Cecile, so if you want to check out her interview as well. But I'm really looking forward to that. And She's talked about, Cecile has, how much time she has saved by just using the Icarus board. Now, the Icarus That's board, exciting. for those who are not familiar with it, it it's basically heats up under the surface that you're oh, drawing. I guess, you draw directly I guess we should talk it. about what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah let's, that would, let's that be nice. It, it works best with your wax-based pencils. So Prismacolor Premier, Luminance. I think the Derwent drawing pencils would be amazing on that because those are so waxy. Yeah, yeah. The wax-based pencils, yeah, that's going to be your preference on uh, yeah, the Yeah, the oil-based pencils, not really going to have much effect with the heat underneath it. But like John and I were talking about before, the, we talked apparently quite a bit about before the yes, podcast. We did. I keep bringing that up. You could actually do a lot of the work with your, your wax base for your base layers. And if you felt like you still wanted to go on top with finer details, if you weren't getting what you wanted with those pencils, you mm-hmm. could then go over that with the finer details with your your oil-based pencil. So now that we've been talking about that, I'm tempted to, to buy one again. Yeah, I've that's... gone back and forth on investing the money in one. Um, right, right. But Well, yeah, and now, we'll now, I mean, she has so many different, there's a couple of different versions of it now too. I think there's three, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, there's just, it, it does save a lot of time and anyone who's used it and has, you know, taken the time to really dig in and give it you know, give it a fair shake. They've come away in love with it. So yeah, I'm I'm really yeah. wanting to like anything. There's going to be that learning, yeah, that yeah. learning curve. You're, it's going to take a while to get used to. Very much so. Yeah. Going on to the next, which are some of my favorite, the ACP products. Those are the powder blender, the advanced colored pencil texture fixatives, all of those from brushandpencil.com. Those you guys know I'm in love with. You can just do so much so quickly. So now when I want to do bigger pieces where I'm like, I'm not working that big, I wouldn't even consider that. Now with these, I actually don't feel as hesitant to work onto some of these larger pieces because it's so much faster now. You can lay down so much color so quickly using these products. And again, Mm -hmm. that's the powder blender. You've got a a spray texture fixative that you put between your layers and we we've done a podcast on that already haven't we yeah I th- well we've talked about it and i wasn't real yeah you know, I, I haven't i didn't get to test them as much before that podcast i've used them quite a bit since then and especially the textured fixative i really am in love with that that stuff is really really good and the powder blender i'm starting to love a lot i was really sold when you know i hear aliona talking about doing this huge background and getting such a rich dark color within like 10 minutes or something. I was like, are you kidding me? Anytime anyone talks about saving time in colored pencil, you know, I'm there. I'm all about that. (laughs) So... Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, and then the other thing with those products that I love. Now, this combination doesn't work for if you're entering competitions with CPSA. This would count as a mixed media. But the same thing from brushandpencil.com, the titanium white yeah, o- powder only the titanium, and touch-up texture. Only the titanium white and touch-up, touch-up texture, right, I believe? Is that right? Yes. Okay. But if you combine the two, you can turn it into this almost painted mixture that you can do highlights. So before, one of the things that I hated when I drew 
true. Big cats, especially getting those whiskers or the hairs within dog, like dog's ears, wolf's ears, those little hairs inside there. Oh my gosh, trying to paint or work around them to leave the white lines showing through your, your, do working in reverse mm-hmm. basically to mm-hmm. leave the white paper showing through i don't have to do that anymore mm-hmm. i now can get my base dark layers and then go on top of it with my bright white i can paint it on it's completely made for colored pencil so it's com- compatible you will not run into archival issues that you can with gel pens or acrylic paints or anything like that this is made to go with colored pencil and so now because i wouldn't use those other products myself so now i have a way i can i don't even have to work around a whisker i just paint right over or color over where the whiskers are going to go and then when I'm done I use a liner brush and paint in with those products my highlights the whiskers the ears oh my gosh this has saved me so much time and I use that product on every single colored pencil piece I do now whether I'm working in powder blender or not it's amazing a couple of wins with that though really I mean if you stop and think about it she's using you know if you're using the titanium white then you're using a colored pencil core that's what the the, the medium core is made from so so yeah, it it is colored pencil and it is pigment. So we're you in colorants, I'm guessing, and some binder or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what all's in there, but so yeah, that, that I love that. Yeah, I love not being not having to use like a gel pen or something like that. So and I don't use gel pens. I yeah, would just do it the long either. way of leaving a blank spot well, yeah, where the whisker was. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and I was going to talk about that because gosh. that's that's uh, that's always been a drawback for me because I, I don't – I never did like that. I, I never thought that was a very good solution. I mean essentially that's, you know, preserving this area that you're pretty sure, you know – is going to be the area where the whisker is or whatever the white thing is that you're trying to protect. But what happens if you have to make modifications in the meantime, especially if you use an impressed line and then you fill that in with a white pencil at the very early stages of your drawing process and then you decide, "Uh uh-oh, I've got to modify this or proportions are wrong or something else, then you're stuck. And you've got an area that becomes a blemish and becomes a problem that you got to work through. So, yeah, with this, that really solves that particular issue. That's pretty exciting. So yeah. if you're a, 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 a an animal portrait artist, I mean, this is a big win, I think, for you. Well, even for people. I use yeah. it in hair all the time. And what I'll do, because you think, oh, not that many people have white hair. Well, no. What you do is use this to get your strands of hair that you're having a hard time getting the some of these minor strands. Let it dry. Yeah. And then you can put whatever color you want on top of it. Yeah, and it shows up beautifully because what the touch-up texture, that adds tooth to the paper. Mm-hmm. So pencil is going to stick on top of this beautifully. But I'm able to get this opaque, nice, fine white line and then I can put whatever color hair or highlights I want on top of it I just put that over it and so I use it for people too awesome stuff all right well maybe you have something that you're dying to tell us about and you're thinking why didn't they mention this well you can talk to us about that Email us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com, or you can interact with us on Facebook in the Color Pencil Podcast group, or reach out to us on Twitter, Lockery and Sharpened Artist. If you like the show, we would appreciate you leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Tell someone else about the show, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Saturation. That did not come out right at all. Say it ain't so, Officer Hops. Then moving on to the next, which is my one of my favorites right now, are the colored pen for wow.